RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Early last week, a report dropped. A report from the Mako Mama Mangapare Single Parents Project. And behind it, Ngati Kahanunu and Project Gender. And I'm reading from the blog of Lindsay Mitchell. The research is based on seven focus groups and an online survey of 3,545 single parents, which asks about their circumstances regarding income, work, health, experience of discrimination and domestic violence, not unexpectedly, uh, says Lindsay, the responses paint a picture of struggle and perceived, that is perceived, discrimination. Lindsay's been researching and commenting on welfare since 2001. You've probably heard her name before. Many of her articles have been published in mainstream media, uh, and she's been before select committees discussing issues relating to welfare. And she's an artist who works under commission and exhibits at Wellington Galleries, and she joins us on Reality Check Radio. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for giving us some time to talk about your blog in response to this this report. I suppose you called yeah. it a report, wouldn't you? <laughs> Good morning, Paul. Okay, so you say here the MMM projects, we'll refer to it as MMM, that's Mako Mama Mangapare projects, subsequent reaction to the researchers twofold. Let's start there and then we can talk about how they did it and the whys and the wherefores. But what do you mean twofold? Well, um, the the research did not uncover anything that we're not well aware of. I mean, for decades we've had reports into um, the circumstances of sole parents in this country and they've never been flash. Um, so there was nothing new from their online survey um, that was remarkable. What I did find remarkable were these two reactions. And the first one is that um, we should embark on this nationwide campaign to celebrate single parent families. Um, in fact, akin to their suggestion was something like the It's Not Okay campaign, which MSD ran some years back. That was an anti violence campaign, wasn't it? Mm, yes, right. it was. Okay. So, yeah, the, that to, to, to me, really to suggest celebrating something that has for decades been known to be very problematic is not a sound uh, solution. Well, not solution, but it's not a sound approach to a problem that's just intergenerational now uh, and, and is harming a lot of children. Yeah, why, why should that be celebrated? Um, well, I guess what what they're worried about is people uh, is the, they, they they're very specific about what they call the stigmatization of sole parents and how unfair that is. Um, and I guess in this day and age, one might say yes, it is unfair to stigmatize a group of people. But um, stigmas will always exist. And they do have a useful purpose, and one of those is to make people try and avoid getting themselves in a situation. You know, if they don't like the stigma, well, avoid the situation. It can't obviously always be avoided. Sole parenthood, um, it, you know, it will always be with us as well. But in the last 30 to 40 years, it has become uh, a, a huge problem for New Zealand, and that's why we have so much child poverty, for, for instance. Yeah, because we know that uh, single parent families, the kids in the families and the entire family, the mother or the father, substantially mothers, if you look at um, the stats here, and we'll go through that. Um, <laughs> I hate to say, but they cause most of the problems in society, don't they? They end up causing problems. And okay, um, that's that's tough, but, but it's the reality. Well, yeah, I mean, look, there are there are single single parents who do a stellar job, and they're left literally holding the baby. Um, uh, and I don't think society, and I think society is happy to support single parents for a period of time to help them get back on their feet. And society does. Um, approve of single parents who work to become independent and look after their children in the same way as people 
widows did, and there were plenty of widows in, in you know, post-war, people who have looked after their families under their own steam. Um, but getting back to that idea of stigmatisation, which the report is, is, is very much um, built around, that arises from the large number of sole parents who get on benefits and stay on benefits for absolutely years. Yeah, so it's no one. <clears throat> sorry, so it's no wonder that there is a an element of stigmatization. It, it's seen. I mean, this is a, this is stereotyping, but for many, it seems kind of like a lifestyle choice. <laughs> it's, it's. I don't know. Um, well, a kind could, of easy way to go, even though we know it's not easy. Well, no, it's not easy, and we could be perhaps more charitable and call it a trap, um, because. If you uh, find yourself a sole parent at 17 or 18 um, in the need of a benefit and you get on a benefit and we know that the payment rates are now uh, quite competitive with not only the um, now what is it? I'm trying to think. The, the, well, the minimum the wage. wage. Like I'm, yeah. I'm getting confused because we've got the basic wage and the living wage, but it's pushing the living wage now in terms of um, it competing. The, the, the income from a benefit is competing with income from work. So you get on there and to get off is very difficult because, you know, you, you're probably going to have to go into work that you may not initially uh, maybe not what you want to do. I mean, a lot of people are doing jobs that they don't want to do, but that's what they do because they see them they see themselves as having to earn a living to pay their way in the world. Yeah, it might be that there's an absence of that motivation for. I mean, I'm not trying to single them out or, or again have a go, but you know, in the end, we're all responsible for ourselves and. Mm. Um, and that message possibly doesn't get through. And I would imagine that many of of the single parents in the in the sort of category we're talking about are in smaller towns and possibly economically depressed or held back areas. So the options are low anyway. So it kind of looks like a better choice. <laughs> I'm not sure about geographical. Um circumstance that you paint. I think I think the single parents are are, are, are also in urban areas where there is work. Um, right. And Lord knows that we've got industries like the caring industry, um, rest home care, not just rest home care, the um, people like Access who, who provide a, a workforce that go into homes to look after people. Um, horticulture, retail, there's so many sectors at the moment crying out for labour. Yeah, you would have thought horticulture would have been a natural because it pays quite well and, okay, you don't have to, you know, wheel old people to the bathroom or anything. You're out there in, in nature. I don't well, quite, there's, a, there's, yeah. there's enough variety of the work available at the moment that one would have thought, you know, that this is the time when we could be really making a dent in the problem, you know, of, of dependence on the state by sole parents, but, but we're not. Um. Well, in fact, the uh, the way this is couched as celebrate suggests that um, a kind of endorsement. Yeah, this is quite, that that was what you prompted in one of your just a, a recent comment um, about the messages that we give people because some people we're we're giving very mixed messages, aren't we? I mean, there are plenty of people who are given the message that you need to um, get back to the workforce as a, um, a as a partnered female. No, get your kid into childcare, get back to the workforce, we need you. Um, for some reason, if you're a single parent, you've got to stay home with your child and you needn't feel any pressure to go to work. That would that would definitely be the, um, the view of the authors of this report, I would say, because they are very much all over better benefits and better benefit conditions for single parents. And they might be all over finding themselves uh, a nice little bit of coin too here because uh, here's a comment that you make. The authors appear to be lining up future employment for themselves, anticipating further funding 
from the Peter McKenzie project. I think they were the commissioners of the report. Uh, who is Peter McKenzie? What's this oh, project? I, I, I can't tell you much about Peter McKenzie. I think he's one of the McKenzie family and the McKenzie family have for a long time put money into family research. And I think possibly through um, a unit at Victoria, but don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, they, they constantly come back to um, scoping the project at, uh, with a view to uh, Peter McKenzie being, you know, um, uh, <clears throat> amenable to further funding and the government, of course, and various partners that might be amenable to funding. I mean, the the, the second part of the um, I said the, 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 the responses were two-pronged. The second part is to set up this navigator's um, portal, um, which would seem to be quite a big IT thing. You know, it struck me there's been, in New Zealand, there's an outfit called Birthright. Have you heard of them? Yeah, I think I have, but I don't quite know what they do, but I've heard that name. Birthright before. has been around since the 1950s. It is dedicated solely to single parent families and it provides advocacy and resources and an, an 0800 helpline uh, i've come across them when i was a volunteer i came across birthright um do you know that they are not mentioned once in this report oh really they've been around since the 50s since the 50s well they'd be a competitor then would they <laughs> uh, <laughs> well you know, you, you can look on it, look at it however you like to, but Birthright is all over New Zealand. It's a substantive association. Um, why why have they not been talked to? Um, it's, certainly, they would be natural collaborators, but yeah, I just I'm just astonished that they're not mentioned. Okay, interesting. Um, you also say here they've noticed another gap in the market and propose creating single parents networks that operate. I think that's the portal you're talking about that operate similar to LGBTQI plus networks within business, like a what a single parent tick, like the um, the rainbow tick. Is that what you're kind of well, heading that, to? That's just what sort of jumped into my imagination when they said they wanted to create a single parent tick. I thought, well, that would be like the rainbow tick. So they'll go around and um, and sell know. it because they the rainbow tick is, I think, you've got to buy it. Ah, so, now there's another in. angle, and I hadn't considered that. I, I I was just sort of thinking about the sort of pressure that can be brought to bear on on associations and businesses and and, and to um, get on the, you know, get on that bandwagon of celebrating single parents. Yeah, so I guess um, if, if, if let's say that that was an idea, and of course it would be an idea because um, that's a whole infrastructure for doing the assessment, um, you know, and the audit, <laughs> I think they call it, uh, the, the, that costs as far as I'm aware. Um, and you, you can virtue signal if you're a business that, that you're here for the, you know, the single parent. and um, But that wouldn't necessarily attract single parents off benefits or even to come to purchase from you unless the discounts are so incredibly deep. So it would just be, yeah, virtue signaling in that case, mm. if, mm. if that were to happen. Mm. Yeah, I think, look, you've, you've noticed something that I failed to notice there Oh, that's okay. Um, um, I might have to amend the blog post. Okay, well, don't take, don't take my word for it, but I, <laughs> I understand that that is the case in in many cases, anyway. I suppose that makes sense. I suppose if if you were of great value, uh, there was a business of great value to have the tick, they'd probably give it away complimentary because it it helps. I don't know. Um, um, I I actually think if you approached a business, any. Uh, down to earth, realistic business to um, virtue signal to sole parents. I I think they would laugh because they'll already have good sole parents on staff. But the 
who, who, who have possibly never never been benefit dependent. But um, this one of the things that you commonly hear from employers is that they are over trying to take people out of the benefit system because people only want to work so many hours and that's because they want to work the amount of hours that that pays them just the allowance and if they go over that then they'll start losing their core benefit and they don't want to lose their core benefit they're really only interested in a little bit more extra money and so they don't actually take their employer very seriously. In fact, there was a really interesting comment on the blog post from someone who said that she had employed a single father um, and uh, on limited hours so that he could carry on doing his parenting duties. Um, and then he came to her and said, look, I'd like to do some more hours, but um, would you pay me in cash? Uh-huh. Which she was not very impressed with. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you can work the deal. <laughs> um, well, look, you know, we laugh, but seriously, um, I can quote you from an Auckland University of Technology study that came out in 2019, and I will just read the quote direct to you so I don't misrepresent it. But sure. in their study... They found, we find, quote, we find that 70% of those who say they receive the domestic purposes benefit also answer yes to the question of whether they have a partner. Really? Mm. Mm. Um, because they were looking at the growing up in New Zealand data. Um, and and that, that's, if you don't know about the growing up in New Zealand data, that's a longitudinal study. Um, based around children born in 2009, 2010. And so that was back when we still called the sole parent benefit, the DPB. Uh, and and there's been this sort of um, academic sort of question mark over the number of sole parents in that study just seems terribly low. It doesn't seem representative. And when Gin, uh, when um, AUT looked at that, that's what they found, that that. Um, a, a good many of the of the parents were actually describing themselves as having partners, but also um, being on the DPP. So they're not living there, or oh, well, who knows? Sleeping out in the back garden somewhere. Who, who knows what a partner is? But I don't. Well, actually, think good point. Yeah. And what, 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 are you single if you've got a partner? And and this is this is um, uh, getting back to the report. The big one of the big thrusts out of it is that they want. Really, they don't want MSD um, conducting any sort of, not surveillance, but even questioning single parents about their marital status. It's sort of they want a kind of anything goes. And yet we, 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 have, we have benefit rules, strict rules. Um, if you need support because you haven't got a partner, by all means, here's your support. Sorry, you've got a partner? Yeah, maybe you get rid of them. <laughs> well, that happens too, and that's yeah. a terrible that's a terrible um, um, outcome, isn't it? That's a that's a that's a terrible outcome that families would split up because they're better apart because benefit pays so well. Gosh, this is a potentially a minefield as it's sort of opening up as we we talk here. Um, what about the perception? Is there anything that comes through, and obviously based on your knowledge? Is there an understanding that this money that is paid actually comes from other people working? Is that is there much of a concept of that? Well, it's very hard to know, isn't it? I expect that some people uh, have a better grasp of, of, of how the economy runs than others. Um, but, I mean, there was a quote, was there not, that I came across? Um, oh, yes. That was a delightful quote. Um, let me get to it. Oh, yes, this is what someone said, quote, MSD treat me like I'm a desperate Maori trying to milk them. You would think you were asking for money from their personal bank account. Um, hmm. Unquote. Now, I thought about that, and there's a, 
there's a lot of <laughs> there would be case managers, and a lot of a lot of the case managers themselves are Maori, um, who would be thinking, "How hey, I'm toiling away here, paying my taxes, mate, and feeling like actually this is my personal bank account. I have to work. I have all manner of obligations to keep." you on a bit in a benefit and and free to spend your days as you want yeah how come it seemed it's sounding like it's so hands-off like there are just places you can't go you can't even question as like we said before have you actually got a partner or have you got you know a, maybe even partner's not the right word it doesn't accurately describe it or a you know a spouse or you know you're not even allowed to ask which means that if there was, that person, that other person, is completely freeloading. Mm. Do you know they, um, the, the, they actually changed the law around fraud some years ago, um, <laughs> I think to try and stop the freeloader, who would generally be a male. Um, the, if, if, a, if, a, if the prime, primary beneficiary, the female, was prosecuted, he would also be prosecuted. Right. Mm. Um, whether that's had any practical effect, I, I don't know. But look, since if if you if I if I can just go back to sort of like Nationals' last innings, and you'll recall we had Paula Bennett, Minister of Social Development. Paula Beneficiary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Paula 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 Benefit was doing. You know, Paula was sympathetic to beneficiaries, right? And and I I can't see a problem with that. Because know. she'd been there before, apparently. Yes, right? people yeah. fall on hard times, right? But having said that, when society supports people, they expect something back from that person. I think that's a fair enough comment. And Paula was um, very aspirational for beneficiary, and she, she wanted... Um, more obligations and more conditions around the receipt of a benefit in order to achieve that end. So she was doing some quite good stuff, but the um, the let's call them people like the child poverty advocates, uh, child poverty action group advocates, um, the Greens particularly, and Labour, the left um, generally, they hated they hated what she did. Um, because they don't want any kind of, and I come back to the word all the time, they didn't want any obligations put on any beneficiary, you know? It's just, uh, I don't know how they see it, as though it's undignified somehow to be... Or it keeps people dependent, something. and dependent people vote for us. Yeah, well, there you are. Yeah. Could be something in that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But uh, so I was going back to we so we had that we had those years under national, and actually the numbers started to come down when we looked at sole parents. The numbers were also going down. I have to say because teenage birth has come down, and that's a big feeder into sole parents. That's the teenage birth rate has been coming down, and that's a really good thing. Um, so, but it was more than that. So. Through those national years, the numbers were coming down. We hit 2017, 2018, and they started going back up again. Now, people say to me, oh, come on, that's just COVID. No, it wasn't just COVID. It was going up before 2020, and it's resumed its climb since that, that sort of artificial peak or blip. Um, we've got, even in March to March this year, there were 3,000 more children on a benefit which is astonishing when you think of the unemployment rate. Yeah, there's a complete so dis a disconnect there, mm. basically. And also, wasn't it the mission of the Prime Minister herself in her ministerial role to mm. end this? To reduce child poverty. It's a fail, right? It's right. Fail. Well, it's, an, it's, it's a terrible, terrible fail. Jacinda, I, I would always characterise Jacinda Ardern as being naive. I know other people want to be stronger about her. Um, I think she was naive because she thought that you simply reduce child poverty by lifting the incomes in low-income homes, most of which are benefit homes. So we just keep pushing those incomes up 
um, then those children won't be in poverty. But hang on a minute, and I warned about it at the time, you will push more children onto benefits. And we know that the social outcomes from growing up on benefits are not as flash as for children who don't grow up on benefits. Yeah, I think um, I think that's accurate. If you look at what's been happening crime-wise. Yeah, and those stats are very strange too. Um, but, oh, yeah, how? Um, well, if you look at the uh, statistics, New Zealand's youth offending and youth, youth pro- prosecutions, they are actually going down. But if you look at the police recorded youth crime or, or crimes to, to, to young people, <clears throat> crimes suffered by young people under 15 and, uh, and other crimes are committed, they're going up. There's a total disconnect, and I, I, I'm at the moment. I've just fired off a whole lot of questions to OIA questions to um, Oranga Tamariki because there's something very odd with the the crimes against children going up, but the children going into state care coming down, and something isn't really quite measuring up. Are those I don't know well, I mean, until you get the answers, none of us know. But um, that would that would indicate that there's. They've taken a foot off the gas of policing. Well, Paul, they um, came into government promising to reduce the prison population. Uh, That's how you do it. (laughs) Which they did. And they have reduced it by, I think, the latest I've I've, um, looked at was about 25%. They're slightly going up again because they might might have begun to realise they've made a mistake. But they've reduced the prison population by 25%. You know, you just don't put people in prison. Um, and I'm worried, I'm desperately worried that Oranga Tamariki may be just doing the same things. They've shifted the threshold, right? We're not going to, um, I mean, I don't want to see children taken into state care and into institutions, but you place a child under the care of the chief executive and then work around where do we put that child in terms of far now or the family, you know? It's not about you know, robbing a child and taking it away and, and you know. Well, it could be the best thing you could have done for the child. But, 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 but you know, you, the child should be under the care of the chief executive if there is danger to that child. Uh, there were those um, uh, incidents, uh, what, three, two, three years ago, maybe a year or two more than that now, time passes quickly, when I think particularly in the Hawke's Bay there was a real confrontation, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that and that 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 made big news and was a national story and and I wonder if there's a um, you know, if if that coincides with what you're talking about. Oh, I'm for sure it does. Um, that was the uplifting of children from mothers who had previous children already uplifted from them, and that was another thing that came out of Paula Bennett's. Um, I think it was the Green Paper for Vulnerable Children that was enacted into law, that if a mother had a child and she'd had previous children taken from her care, then the new child would be automatically uplifted. The onus was on her to prove that she was a capable mother. Um, Some Māori did not like that. People like the dames, Tariana Turia and Nida Glavish, I hope I've pronounced her name. They... um, they were adamantly opposed. And do you remember um, Granier Moss was drummed out of That's OT? Right. Yep, she was. Yeah. Um, and um, I forget the name. Uh, Wira Gardner was made temporary um, chief of, of, of OT while they sorted it all out. It is now very much a Māori organisation by Māori for Māori. And I wish them all the best if they can get it right. But I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm worried that, that the, 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 they've got terrible staff shortages, they've got poor morale. Um, what's happening to the kids? Very good question. Let's look at some of the stats that they talk about um, before we wind up. Women, wahini, make up 96% of our survey sample, they say. Well, that's no surprise, I take it? Um, no, um, that's, you know, most old parents are 
by women. Um, <coughs> of course, you can talk about are they custodial or non-custodial. Non-custodial. I think 10% of sole parents with dependent children are men. Ah, okay, but they have it at 3% in the survey, so yeah. I guess that's an under representation in this specific survey. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's because sole fathers tend to be working and yeah. they probably don't have the time on their hands to fill out the online survey. And it's pour possible. their heart out. Mm? And pour their, <laughs> their their heart out, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, so so 10% you think is, is closer to the actual figure? Yeah, um, Statistics New Zealand stats. And, and if you look at even IRDs, um, Parents paying child support, um, most of the parents paying child support are men. Because yeah, the well, there, there's actually, we maybe should have just oh dear. touched on that earlier because, okay, um, I mean, I know plenty of guys over the time that have paid child support and and they've done it and, you know, um, it hasn't been a problem. They've, they've, they realise it's their responsibility. But do we know how many are actually fronting up and honouring their responsibility on this? Uh, because that that could make a big difference, couldn't it? Yeah. Now, I I wrote a paper for Family First just a while back um, called "Where Does He Live," which is about father absence. And do you know, I I can't I can't bring the stats to mind immediately. That right. may be something we'd have to talk about another time. Um, but on the child support um, in, in that area of um, activity, one of the laws that is going to change, um, and again, this this is a pointer to how how um, more we have encouraged um, sole parents under the the last two government administrations. You know that we've made it. Um, you know, like they don't have to legally name the fathers anymore and there's no penalty. Um, so what they're going to do with child support is they're going to pass that on directly to the parent who's on a benefit. In the past, it was kept by the government to offset the benefit payment. But now it's going to be passed directly on to the parent that's got custody of the children. Is that a good idea? Because as soon as you said that, I thought, well, you might have a situation where the partner who resents having to give up money is now associating that money directly to the ex or whoever, and that might not be a very good thing. Yeah, it, it, it'll be looked at different ways by different people. There are some fathers who, who, who apparently are more likely to pay the child support if it goes directly to the mother and not to the government. Okay. But what's sort of missed in all of this is like, so the government isn't clawing back the money, so uh, and, and yet the benefit payment has to stay the same, so it will have to take more from the taxpayer as opposed to the father. Okay, because it's not directly uh, compensated for in that way. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, I suppose you get it in GST, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. That I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. prob probably not. Okay, so not if people are paying cash. Anyway, non-binary people. Well, that's another, that's another thing you see. I mean, people, sometimes people come to their own arrangements. Women, are, anecdotally, a number of single mothers um, don't name the father, and now, they, now they're not even penalised if they don't name the father, to suit his agenda, and he says, well, I'll pay you cash if you don't name me because I can pay you X amount. If you name me, I'll have to pay over that. Yeah. No, I can see how that could work. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, though it keeps the X close in. That's another issue perhaps. Hmm. 1%, oh, 1%. There's so many issues. Yeah, it's, it's a minefield, isn't it? Yes, I it feel is. like I'm stepping through a minefield right now. Yeah. Um, another uh, interesting figure in the stats that they uh, produce in this survey, non-binary people, 1% of one binary, um, or sorry, non-binary, well, there's only one binary if you really think about it, but non-binary people, 1% sole parents. That seems like a very small figure, and I'm not surprised by that, but is it really that? Well, um, <laughs> 
since um, MSD has actually been legally bound to um, allow a non-binary identity to be recorded well in their statistics, uh, I think maybe it goes back three years. But right. you can see that it starts where it starts from zero. It, it climbs very, very rapidly. There are obviously more and more people identifying as non-binary. Very in a very short period of time. Yes, in a short period of time. And again, I'm sorry, I don't have those stats before. But anybody can find them as they want to go to the Ministry of Social Development benefit fact sheets and go to the um, national database. And you, you you can see there. So whereas it you whereas it used to be broken down by, by male female, we now have a third uh, third row, and it's a non-binary, and it is growing quite rapidly. That's interesting because, yeah, that that shows that it's catching on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey. Is it a contagion? Is this what you're <laughs> suggesting? Well, no, no, I'm not. I'm just. Uh, I, I I know when things are been around long, long enough to know that when things are sort of promoted in a particular way or covered in a particular way or or glamorized, uh, I, I'm yes. trying to find a word, but, you know, yes. that the people do celebrate. Well, celebrate. Yeah, let's use that word. People do tend to climb on. But this is an interesting one because, you know, they're having to, either they're doing it, you know, for a laugh or, or whatever, or they're really in a headspace where, you know, they're moving into the sort of kind of new way of being. Mm. I think all of the words you use are correct. Um, And I really don't know much about that area, Paul, but if we look at the area I do know about, which is single parents, and you apply all of those adjectives like glamorise and celebrate, we, we get more of what we make look attractive. Well, it could be you get better service if you identify as non-binary because that's the de jure. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Neither do I really. Okay. Um, you say 12, it says here 12% of our sample in the survey are under the age of 30, 42% age 30 to 39, 36% 40 to 49%, 9% aged over 50 years or more. Would that be an accurate representation of those demographics or do you think that really just tells you who's more likely to fill out a survey yeah no um i I can i can only compare that um those results with the beneficiary population and i thought at first sight it looked a little um on the old side you know it's very light for um for the for, for people under 20 very light but Actually, because women are now having their children much later, um, to have your newborn uh, and growing up, it, it, it's, you know, it, mothers are ageing, yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And so that um, sample is probably not that far off um, a representative sample, even though at first blush I thought it looked a little old. Yeah, 27% of their sample are New Zealand Māori, 77% New Zealand European Pākehā, 7% Pacifica. That's quite low. 8% other European, 2% Asian, 3% other ethnicities. 26% currently live in Auckland, 14% in Canterbury, 12% in the Wellington region, 10% in the Waikato, 38% are from remaining New Zealand regions, 82% living in, well, you were saying this before, urban locations. Does that all stack up with what you know about right? Um, it, because the sample's low on Māori, who make up a, a, a big chunk of sole parents on benefits, and I'm saying big chunk, uh, my, my failure to have, have actually looked up the the percentage before I, I spoke to you, but I know it's around 40 to 50% of sole parents on a benefit are Māori. And so if you have a look at the maps that show you where the biggest proportion of the working age population is the sole parent on a benefit, the areas that stand out are Northland and yeah. uh, Gisborne and the East Coast and the Waikato. And they have the highest proportions because obviously that's they have the highest Maori populations. 
Yeah, and Pacifica quite low. Again, it's hard to know if that's just a, a, a unwillingness to engage in a survey. But, you know, um, are there differences in the way they perceive Pacifica things that could families, lower that? Pacifica families have, Pacifica people have very strong family values. Um, there is a tendency for young solo parents who are Pacifica to be kept within the extended family and to not go on a benefit. Um, and so their benefit stats have never looked anything like Maori benefit stats. Um, and I, that's that's what I put it down to, is the strong family values that they have and very strong work ethic. That's about the only bit of good news so far. <laughs> <laughs> Um, unless I've missed something, and two percent Asian. Well, Asian, Asian, Asian soul parents are very, very rare as well. Well, um, I, but I, always, I already, funny, I already figured that that would be the case. Yes, yeah, yeah. and of course, then all of those, all of those ratios trickle through to what we see in children, in yeah. child poverty, um, in child health. I mean, I know. Pacific children tend to be quite high up in the poverty stats, but that tends to be because they have very, very large, well, they have very large families and and live on reasonably low incomes, but it's a different kind of poverty to um, benefit poverty. But there there does, in my experience, and I've got a good business partner, friend of mine who's uh, Samoan, and Mm -hmm. I've had a a view into his family and extended family, there's a, a lot of aspirational power in those families hmm. even if they're poor they want their kids to do well they send them to universities you know there, there there is aspiration there i think there's a difference there there is and it raises an interesting question for me too which is completely um out of left field but why do pacifica keep voting for labor that's a very good question hmm. because they are conservative by nature hmm. Hmm. um yeah. <laughs> We're opening when, a can when, of worms. When will they stop voting that. for Labour? <laughs> yeah, because they're kind of voting against their best interests, perhaps. Ultimately, um, I guess it goes back to uh, the old um, Labour is for the working class. Labour represents the working class, which is the total. Um, hey, that's gone. That's over that, now. Yeah, yeah it that's was way over. Gone. And um, I'm the enemy of the working class now. I'd yeah, say. The, the, but the whole um, road that Labor's gone down with identity politics and um, um, f- f- feminist sort of um, equity value, I, I don't know, um, uh, pro-abortion. I mean, I don't have a view one way or the other on abortion. Um, but all of those things. Well, I think it should be rare, legal but rare. Yes, I, I personally... I'm personally against abortion, but I'm not against a woman's right to make her own decisions about it. I no. don't like it, but no, I, I don't like it. I can either. live with someone having to make their own decisions about it. Um, as long as it's not promoted, though, as some sort of li- liberation kind of move. Well, look, the good news here, see, I can give you some more good news, is the abortion rate is coming down. And the fact that the teenage birth rate has fallen has got nothing to do with the abortion rate. The the teenage birth rate has fallen because teenagers are not having as much sex as they did. Okay. And and Hmm. contraception is more effective. That's if you believe the youth surveys. Well, can we? I guess we've got to Uh, Well, we've got to believe something. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 I could buy it that that um, teenagers are having less sex than even my generation. Well, they're taking more drugs. Are they? Well, I well, I think so. Yeah. So, well, but maybe that we're has... really straying into areas I know nothing about. Yeah, well, I don't know that much about it. I only just anecdotal from you know having well not so young kids anymore. Um, there's plenty more around. Put it that way. Plenty more to choose from. Oh uh, yes, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, we won't we won't venture there. All right. So considering, so let's boil this down now to 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 wind up this report um, that you've blogged on, and I'm going to bring up the name again. The um, 
the Mako Mama Manga Party Single Parents Project. Do you, you know, honest, honest here, do you think this is just a way to find more work and to create, I don't know, um, opportunities on the back of people who've got pretty hard lives anyway by, I guess, you know, middle-class, well-meaning but opportunistic folk? Or is this something that they've really got something here we should stand up or, or sit up and, and listen and um, and sort of give it more, and I'm speaking for myself here, more kind of credibility, I suppose? Well, there's nothing new in it in terms of the, the hardship and vulnerability and poor mental health in particular of sole parents. There's nothing new there. Um, we've known that for a long time, and I can't see how that's going to get any better. Um, I, I think it's opportunistic. Um, Do-gooding. Um, yeah. it's, it's also maybe it's... Um, they they get right behind the welfare expert advisory groups report that came out at the outset of Labor's first administration, and they're giving that another big push. So maybe it's timing, you know, um, because these things. It would be no surprise to me if this isn't sort of come out in election year to. Um, sort of bolster to, up the Labor Party's. Yeah, and then they have a, a they, of them. They have a, a vehicle they can take to the parties and say, "What do you think about this? What are you going to do about this?" So yeah, it's, right. it's, yeah. it's 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 a useful vehicle for for those um, leftist do-gooders. <laughs> um, but I don't look as I say at the end of my blog post. You know, I mean, I'd be laughed out of the room because I'd be standing up saying, "Well, hang on a minute. What, what about what about some avoidance of, of or prevention?" You know. Do yeah, people well, have to get themselves I, I into the situation? You wouldn't be the only one, I don't think, Lindsay. And I, I was kind of going to touch on that, but I didn't know whether I should. That is, again, you know, you can avoid having children. It is possible. You don't need to move into that way of living unless you want to choose it or unless you're so sort of apathetic to life that it really doesn't matter. And do we accept that lack of responsibility? I mean, we're all supposed to look after ourselves, wash our faces and do the right thing. Mm. And there's room it's for people who easier. can't cope, but get it, but not on mass, not at scale, surely. It's never been easier to control your fertility. Never. Um, and, and I can't believe that every male is forcing themselves. I mean, I could be, <laughs> I don't know, but you know, um, there are so many monsters about in that case, and I don't, I don't know if, if it's as bad as that. So yeah, I guess I'm, the point I'm making is that it you know it takes two to tango and two to be responsible. It does, um, but with you know I always come back to we we have um, distorted and corrupted those basic values with the benefit system because, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the consequences of your actions because we will take care of you. We're all here. Here's the money. I mean, I'm, I know that there are a lot of people who do support um, the, the benefit system as it stands. I do not. Um, and I, I resent that there is a good portion of society who are forced to pay taxes for something that they only see doing more damage. Can you see anything changing if this government continues in election year or if any party comes in? Um, I talked to Roger Douglas on this program mm. about a month ago now, and he said one of the biggest risks to New Zealand's economic health and future is the burgeoning number of, ben of people on benefits. Mm. And he'd run the numbers, and it ends up as crazy numbers in about 10 or 15 years, like, you know, over 100% of our GDP. Mm. And it's completely unsustainable. 
if we're to carry on like we are in the, the current sort of economic model. Mm. So I don't hear anyone really talking about that. Uh, they're talking about providing childcare support for people. I think the National Party have done that. Well, that's something. But that's just snipping around the edges. Mm. Yeah, um, I am aware of acts past policies which would involve getting away from the cash model of paying people and paying people in kind. So um, what you're doing is you're ensuring a child has a roof over its head, um, that the power is paid, um, and the essentials are met, but we get away from um, everybody being given cash because cash really should equate to something you get when you have done some paid work. Yeah, we did, one of the things that National did in its last term was they created the young parent payment, and that was for young parents 17, 18. And what that involved was doing exactly that, making sure everything was paid for, and then they got a little bit of cash, and they could get a little bit more cash by doing things like registering their child with a doctor, making sure their child was um, enrolled at um, early education, um, and they were linked up with a youth services provider who really mentored that family. And some of those kids, they stayed on that program because it was working for them. They didn't want a full cash benefit. So it's doable. The technology is there, and perhaps that that's what has to happen with anybody that stays on a benefit over a certain period of time. When, as a society, we can say, well, look, we, we will give you – they do in um, the States, they time-limited their benefits. They say for a, a sole parent, you can have five years over your lifetime. Use it in segments if you want, but that's your limit. Um, so we, we give a, a parent the time that they want to bond with their child and then they are expected to go back to work. And, and it, it has to be firm. It has to be, you have used up all your benefit. That's it. Yeah. And, and, if you know, you and you know that it's going to be it. So you yeah, know it's coming. If that's it and you reach that point and you haven't, and you, you can't get yourself into a job and you can't be independent, then you go on to this other form of what we call income management. Yeah. So wow. There are, there are ideas, but I just don't think that New Zealand's up for it. Well, well, yeah, this, this is the question. Are the wider public of New Zealand up for it and the politicians and the public service and the institutions not up for it? Or is everybody not up for it or, or what? It's hard to know. Well, I tell you what, the people that wrote this report aren't up for it. Well, no, because, hey, there's, there's money in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's maybe a little unfair, but I think we have to run that filter every time these days. Yeah. You know, no, I, I referred to it in my post. There's definitely a poverty activism industry there. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Lindsay, it's been really interesting speaking to you. Thanks for coming on and, well, talking about the, the wider subject, but specifically anchored into your, your blog from last Friday. By the way, if people want to go and read it, lindsaymitchell.blogspot.com is where you'll find it. It's headed up celebrating single parents. And um, thanks for coming on, Lindsay, and maybe we'll chat again. Let's see what happens. I hope so. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.